When Carrie learned of her husband's affair, she felt betrayed by God. She lost hope until she heard a Focus on the Family podcast. It was just kind of like God was sitting there with me, bringing this podcast to me and saying, listen, other people have gone before you and it'll be okay. You can trust me. I'm Jim Daly. Together we can rescue broken marriages like Carrie's and give families hope. Donate at focusonthefamily.ca slash give. Let me ask you to take a second to think about maybe an unanswered prayer that you have when you've asked God for what seems to be a really difficult, impossible situation, and you're waiting for his answer. Um, How do you keep staying with him? How do you believe he's truly good, even though he seems silent? We're going to take kind of a deep dive into answering that question today, especially when it comes to your parenting. This is Focus on the Family. Your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. Well, John, it's so true. If you want to improve your prayer life, uh, have children, yes. right? In so many directions. And uh, today we're going to talk about that challenge from time to time, how it doesn't go the way we want it to go. We pray to God. We don't seemingly see the answers according to our agenda. And yet, um, you know, we've got to go through this struggle and this battle with the Lord to say, what's going on? And are you really there? And I think people today are going to be blessed by our guest. I would agree, Jim. And as you know, and many of our audience members might know, we have a special needs son, and he's presented a lot of prayer opportunities, if you will. And there's been a lot of progress, but there also have been a lot of difficult moments. And we have been praying for healing for a long, long time. And Uh, From what I understand from the book, I'm really looking forward to this conversation, especially in light of uh, this month, April, being Autism Awareness Month. And our guest is Jason Haig. Uh, He and his wife, Sarah, have five children, ages uh, 8 to 18. And you're going to be hearing quite a bit today about one of those children in particular, their 14-year-old son named Jack, who has autism. And uh, Jason is an associate pastor and author. His book is called Aching Joy, Following God Through the Land of Unanswered Prayer. And, of course, we've got that book right here to help you. Uh, just give us a call and we'll send a copy to you, 800-A-FAMILY, or stop by focusonthefamily.ca. Jason, welcome to Focus on the Family. Thank you so much for having me. That was quite a setup. You're going to deliver, though, through experience, I know. Um, you know about pain firsthand in this regard, asking for a miracle and feeling like God's answer is either no or uh, I can't hear you. What does that feel like? Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard. You know, I I, uh, I grew up not having experienced any kind of crisis, really. Um, you know, my parents were in full-time ministry. I was blessed on all sides. And I had a couple of daughters. They were healthy. Things were going great. And, and I had all these aspirations for my son uh, when he was born. I had all these visions of what our relationship was going to be like. Uh, and for the first couple of years, it looked like it was going to be like that. And then he regressed. He lost his vocabulary. He lost his, his ability to, to really communicate with us and to connect with us. You know, Jason, I, I want to slow that down a little bit because yeah. that's emotional. Yeah. I mean, for people to hear that. And to come from a, a family that was really stable, you guys went to church growing up, it sounds like you knew there was, or maybe assume there's kind of a formula here. I mean, you live all the formulaic approaches. You pray together, you go to church together, you you know, kind of don't do the things you shouldn't do in school. It sounds like you were that kind of kid. Absolutely. And, and here's the big question, this if-then statement. If, Lord, 
I do all these things well and I honor you, then uh, you bless me. Yeah. And that means you don't give me any ripples in life and everything goes easy and I'll be really happy. But it's not that way. No. I mean, I grew up singing. I'm inside, outside, upside, downside, happy all the time. You know, and that's one of the things you sing in Sunday school, you know, and so I, I, I think it wasn't a spoken expectation, but it was this sort of expectation that, yeah, if I follow the Lord, things are going to be easy. And it's just proven that's not true. Mm-hmm. And so here you're a, a father of two healthy daughters. You're moving along. Your yeah. son is born. Jack is born. And he gets the diagnosis, I would assume, at an early age. Yeah. Uh, it was moderate autism. Then he digressed, and it became more severe. You had a night, I think you and Sarah probably together, where you just threw your hands up and decided, I'm not praying for a miracle anymore. Talk about that evening, that night when you got to that point. There was we, there was a church conference, and uh, we were we were there with a bunch of our church staff, and there was a man who invited all of those who, um, you know, parents of special needs children to come forward. And I didn't want to come forward because this, you know, a few years had gone by, and I had prayed and prayed for, you know, a, a initially for a miracle, initially for this grand breakthrough, and. And as I wasn't seeing that, I sort of lowered my my level of, of expectation. Um, and so I didn't want to go forward. I'm like, I'm good. Everything's fine, you know. And and when I went forward, the man who prayed for me, he just he just said, Lord, bring breakthrough. And when he said that word, I just fell apart because I realized, you know, I've got unfinished business with God here. I'm still holding on to... Uh, to disappointment. I'm still holding on to these dreams that I desperately want to connect with my son. And and I realize, man, I've, I've got more work to do in my own heart and in, in getting honest with God. For those that uh, maybe don't have much insight into autism, yeah. why don't you describe that for the listeners? Um, what is autism? Yeah. What is Jack's situation? John, uh, you can mm. pitch in there because uh, Zane also has autism. Yeah. Well, there's a there's a common uh, a saying that if you if you meet one child with autism, you've met one child with autism. So there's there, it really is a spectrum. Um, a, children with autism deal with um, sensory issues; they can get on sensory overload, um, and then it leads to to um, you know various things that socially sometimes can be very disconnected. Communication can be uh, can be difficult. So I'm, I'm not an expert on autism, but what it looks like in Jack. Is uh, he's 14 years old and he's uh, he's nonverbal. He has a handful of phrases that he uses. Um, he deals with very high anxiety um, and obsessive compulsive disorder um, as well as seizures. Um, so that that concoction um, of of difficulties you know, that 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 makes life really difficult mm. for for him. Um, and he goes through a lot. He really has to fight tooth and nail, I think, um, to be understood. Um, and and to to thrive. Yeah, you really have to dial in to be a student of your child if yes. they're on the spectrum because it is so difficult. There's not a manual that says X Y Z. Right. There's no formula. Back to your point, Jim. And so you 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 mentioned connection when you went down for prayer. Yeah. Um, obviously, some of that was manifesting itself, and you were not able to talk with or communicate well or right. hear Jack very well. Is that right? That's absolutely right. And I think over time, you know, initially you're, I, I was crying out for the big miracle, you know, like suddenly we're just going to have this long, deep conversation and be able to talk about Star Wars and theology and all these things. 
And I, as I stopped sort of, I, I backed away from that a little more and then started praying for connection. I said, Lord, just let us be able to connect. Let him understand us. Let him get our relationship, our thing. Um, and uh, yeah, that's that, that became the, the focus of my prayer. You know, in so many ways, uh, being a father, and again, uh, for those just coming in, you have two daughters, your son is born. There is a special connection there between a father and a son, typically. And you end up developing, you know, high aspirations. Uh, if you played sports, you probably, like I did, right. I thought both my boys would be football players. I mean, Trent is like 6'6", 2'10". He would have been a great uh, whatever. But he just didn't have the desire to do it. So I have those, what I guess you might call normal father expectations. You know, we put him in Pop Warner and did all that. And finally, he came to me after ninth grade and said, I don't really like playing football. And I had to, you know, pull that back and say, oh, okay, what do you enjoy doing? I remember the first time I got a phone call, he won an award. And I was like, awesome. What was it in elementary school? It was the chess club. Oh, and he had won an award there. And, <laughs> you know, that's great, but it was different from my experience. Mm. Parlay that into your situation with Jack again, those goals and those ideals, and then how you, you did have to ratchet down, obviously. How did you manage all that disappointment and then new expectations? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a long process. I mean, I, I realized I had to, to just to give them up sort of, to let them go, not, not to destroy them. But I, you know, I, I feel like, our, you know, in my book, I talk about our expectations are like propaganda films running in our head. Huh. Um, and we, you know, where they come from, I, I don't know, culture, um, dreams, I don't know. Um, but uh, we, we can't necessarily do anything about them. They're, they're running there. And then when something goes amiss, you know, life takes a different turn. It's a matter of, okay, I have to completely recalibrate because none of that is happening. So now what do I do? That was a long process. Let's move to, though, where Jack's diagnosis went from moderate to severe, and you had other things going on in your life. I'm not sure where your wife Sarah was at in that moment, but you began to fall into depression. Yeah, Yeah. What was going on? Well, you know, I had Jack's diagnosis, and, and my, my other son, Sam, was born with a, a heart defect that required open-heart surgery um, as, a, as a young baby. And is he doing okay? He's doing great okay, now. Good. Yeah, he's doing great. Right. Um, but at the time, we weren't sure what was going to happen, right. you know? And then we also had a dear, dear friend and ministry partner that was diagnosed with, with breast cancer at the time, and we, we just knew this time she's not going to make it. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they knew they couldn't treat it. So it, I, I basically, I went from having this really privileged, um, you know, growing up of Christian parents, everything great, no crisis to three crises at once. So the, you know, that trifecta really knocked me off my feet for a while. And, uh, and I, I grew distant and numb and not knowing how to, uh, relate with the Lord, um, and not knowing how to relate with my, with my son and then with my other kids. Like it, I just became really distant in that time. And it was, it took a long time, lots of conversations with my senior pastor of just sort of drawing out the sadness and helping me to acknowledge what was there, um, to not jump to the right answer, but to acknowledge where I was right then Mm -hmm. to deal with those things one at a time. Yeah. Our guest today on Focus on the Family with Jim Daly is Jason Haig. He's written this terrific book, Aching Joy, Following God Through the Land of Unanswered Prayer. 
Um, certainly, we would encourage you to get a copy from us here at Focus on the Family. Call us if we can be of any help to you, if you're struggling uh, in your relationship with God, if if what Jason has shared about being honest with God about your disappointments and hurts is something you're just really wrestling with, let us help. Our number is 800, the letter A in the word family. Uh, you can get the book online as well, and that's at focusonthefamily.ca. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. Focus on the Family Canada wants to inspire teen girls to grow in their faith with a new and improved Brio magazine. By nearly doubling the size of each magazine, teen girls will love the fresh new design, including more articles, interviews, and daily devotions focused on a growing faith in Christ. Inspire teen girls to grow in their faith. Order your subscription today at briomagazine.ca. That's briomagazine.ca. Or call 1-800-8-FAMILY. This is the sound of the staff here at Focus on the Family Canada every weekday morning at 9 a.m. Petitioning God for those with crisis in their marriage, for those who want to become better parents, and those who are lifting up loved ones to the hope that one day they will know the salvation that Christ has to offer. We'd love to hear from you too. Call us today with your prayer requests at 1-800-A-FAMILY or email us at prayer at FOTF.ca. Hi, I'm Chris. Did you know that the Odyssey Adventure Club is now available around the world? Listeners in more than 200 countries can access every Adventures in Odyssey episode wherever they are. The club is a great way to put faith into action, too, because a portion of every membership goes directly to people sharing the love of Jesus. Now, wherever you live, from Afghanistan to Zimbabwe, you can join the club today at oaclub.org. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. Jason, you mentioned this again, but I I really want to explore this for the benefit of the listener. Um, There was a night when you finally kind of said, I'm going to let God have it. Describe that because, again, it's very therapeutic for those that are going through a variety of issues. They're upset with the Lord. They're holding back. You know, they yeah. think it's disrespectful. What happened for you that day where you cut loose? I I went to a beach um, that there was never anybody at, and so I decided, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna go and I'm just gonna tell you everything that I think and that, that I feel. So I just marched up and down the beach and said, well, this is I'm upset with you for this and this and this and yeah. And I yelled and it was ugly and and I, I didn't even use nice words. I was just like, Lord, here's what I have and uh, and just sort of gave it to him. And like I say, there was no lightning that was struck. That's the first thing. I'm still here. Um, and uh, but one of the things I said to him that moment was like, we've followed you, Lord. Like, we have followed you. Like, what in the world? We've done what you've asked us to do, and yet here we are. And, uh, and I, I, I really think sometimes we have something against God, and even if it's not, even if it's not true or, or, or right, I, I think he desires that we, that we at least tell him. Like, he already sees it, right? And I think he's waiting for us to tell him, just, would you just be honest about this thing? Just give it to me. I'm a really big God. I've seen a lot harder cases than you. So let's just talk about it. And I think that was the first step mm. to let's talk about it. And it sort of set the tone f- for me of, of uh, uh, being honest with God regularly and saying, okay, I'm not doing well today. And I'm a little bit upset with you because I thought that things were going better here, et cetera. 
and uh, and so that's been what I've tried to practice since then. Yeah, and I you know I deeply appreciate it so much because I think there are Christian leaders that try to project just a positivity, right. almost like they're fearful to go here, but this is real. This yeah. is where it's at. This is where people are aching. It's nice to be aspirational, but people need help down there in the well when there's not a ladder. Yeah. You know, they need some perspective in their relationship with God to say, how do I find a way out? Right. And, you know, in some ways, embracing your circumstances and then trusting God is really critical. There's a, I thought, a really good moment. I think your family calls it the penguin incident. Um, this will bring a smile to people's faces. So let's let's get a little dose of happiness here. Well, like I say, I had I had shifted the way I prayed from give me a miracle to let Jack understand our relationship. Let him understand that when I'm taking him to school and holding his hand, like it's because I love him, you know, uh, uh, that when I'm running around tickling him, like, you know, let, let him understand that he's loved by me. Uh, and I, I just, I didn't know if he did. But one day, my wife had, had called me at work and said, she said, you've got to come home. Jack got this book from the school library, and he's, you, he's doing this thing. You've got to come. So I come home from work, and here's my son lying on it. You know, he's totally – he's nonverbal, no conceptual language ever. And he's lying on his top bed with his legs crossed, and he's got this little uh, – like a, a book for two- and three-year-olds, a board book. He was, he was seven at the time, and it has these two penguins on it. And he's laughing and laughing, and she says, come here, come here. And I come over, I say, hey, bud, what you looking at? He's looking at this book, and, and it, it, the, the picture has a big penguin and a little penguin, and, and they're holding fins. And it says, I like it when you hold my hand. And Jack points at the little penguin and the big one and says, Jack and Daddy. Huh. Hmm. And then he flips the page, and it's two penguins in the bathtub. Or a penguin, the big one giving one a bath, and it says, I like it when we splash about. And he says, Jack and Daddy. And he is laughing, and page after page, it's, it's, it's our life that he's seeing. It's and connecting. And it's Jack and Dad. It's connection, yeah. right? And it was like he was telling me, Dad, I totally get this. I get us. I understand our relationship. Mm-hmm. He thinks it's hilarious. He's got this metaphor. I am crying my eyes out here. Yeah. Um, and it, I, I think that moment changed everything for me. It changed everything. Um, and, uh, and I've known since then he really does understand our relationship, and he appreciates it. Mm. Well, I love what uh, what God did there. How did that moment give you so much hope? I mean, it, because that wasn't what you were praying for, right. Jason. I mean, you weren't praying that he would just laugh at a penguin book right. because he gets it. What was the deeper thing there? Well, I guess I had already always been fixating on the big miracle, the big splash, the Red Sea opening up, right? And I was missing the things that God was doing on a daily basis. Yes. Um, and my wife would see these things or like she, she could see the little, you know, progressions and the little victories God was giving. Um, and I was missing them. And in that moment, I felt like God was opening my eyes saying, look what I'm doing. Like, behold your son and, and behold the things I'm doing in your son. And, and I think we desperately have to stop fixating on the big miracles sometimes. And God's saying, look at the things I'm actually doing, the little things along the way. You're walking through the valley, but I'm giving you treasures in the valley. And you open your eyes to see them. Jason, I alluded to this in the setup, but ha- how do you reconcile then what you think about in heaven? I mean, none of us will be here forever, Jack yeah. included. And so how does that give you either peace or uncertainty? One thing that gives me an immense amount of hope is that Jesus was so clear that the last will be first in heaven. Mm. And who 
you know, I think of Jack and, and kids like him who have so often been last in our society. They've been cast off. They've been mm -hmm. pushed back. I think they're going to be celebrated as rock stars in heaven. That's I think they're going to be just highly honored sitting at the head of the table. And when I think of Jack in heaven, this is the only time when I was writing my book, I just cried my eyes out as I was imagining this, of him sitting at the head of a table, um, not, not held back by anything that he wants to be able to express. And us not being held back either from being able to understand him, like all of those, all of those barriers being removed mm. and to see all the things that have been on his heart for all of these years. I can't wait to see that. Yeah. Um, Jason, you write about in your book how this has deepened your faith, that when this first started, you thought kind of faith-wise you were in a good spot, that your faith was strong. Right. That's how you described it, growing up in a Christian home, all of that. But the irony is this unveiled some things for you where you realized you're weak. Yeah. That is powerful. Describe it. Well, you know, when you haven't been tested, I mean, everybody looks good in practice, right? Like <laughs> every football team, when they're running yeah. routes and there's no defense, they're like, wow, yeah, they're this catching looks great. every ball. Right. And so that, that was me early on. And when I, when I had to face this, I came, you know, you're right, I was weak. And I, I, I was afraid actually that I would completely fall apart. And God's been so faithful to not let me completely fall apart, but to be broken enough to recognize my mm -hmm. desperate need for him and to recognize my desperate need for the church yeah. and for people to surround me and be able to lean on them when I was weak and, uh, and to be able to really sense the presence of the Lord in the darkness, in those hard valley seasons, to walk with him much closer. It has absolutely enriched my faith um, in ways I, I never imagined. How, uh, how did, did you and Sarah do through all this? I mean, um, that can really destroy a marriage. So many marriages end up falling apart after these kinds of, of diagnosis, especially the ones that are more severe like Jack's. Um, you know, the Lord's grace was present. We were very, we were kind of the cliche couple of the, the dad gets very distant and depressed and the mom becomes the bulldog going after every therapy and, and all of these things and just buckles down. She becomes Mama Bear. She becomes Mama Bear, yeah, yeah, and wondering where is dad and why isn't dad engaged. And so that was us for a long time, and it was difficult. She had lots and lots of patience for me. Um, and, uh, and, you know, uh, to be totally honest, I mean, sometimes when, you know, when Jack is going through another regression, another hard time, it, it's still a temptation to go back there. And I still feel that, that old tug of despair, um, you know, sort of, ooh, I'm becoming distant, I'm becoming disconnected. Um, and I need to be jolted back in, just, you know, for her to, to – she's even said this, you can't go back there. I, you cannot go back there. I need you and the family needs She's you. She's a good woman. She's a very good woman. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, on the uh, what I would describe more as the happier side of life with Jack, uh, yeah. he loves movies. Yes. I think you and your family, you did something. Describe that uh, scene where you created a scene of one of his favorite movies. What was it? Well, I, Jack, he, uh, he loves watching movies. There's something about the predictability of it because kids on the spectrum, you know, with all the stimuli and the craziness of the world, it can, it can sort of, you know, uh, offset them you know, and you get them off balance. And so movies, especially once he's seen a million times, are very comforting. There's some predictability. Um, so our family, since the very early days, has memorized, you know, big movie scenes, whole, you know, big dialogue, uh, and sort of, you know, played them like like we're in a little play. 
and he just sits and watches and he'll just get this big, you know, megawatt smile mm-hmm. um, watching this all take. I mean, just a month ago, my kids, all five of them were in the kitchen cleaning up. It was a glory. That in itself was a miracle. Um, <laughs> but he was in the middle of it. They put on music from the movie Ratatouille. And they're all, they're all talking in French accents going, special order, special order. And he's in the <laughs> middle of it all just beaming because uh. they're connecting. They're saying, Jack, we see, we know you love this here. You, can't, you might not be able to come into our world, but we can come into yours. And this has been a thing they've done for years. In fact, we have a clip. I think, of your family, and we want to play that. Uh, Do you want to set that up? This is my 11-year-old son, Sam, who is a theater kid, and I think uh, this is him doing a scene from The Incredibles, just just to make Jack laugh. Honey! What? Where is my super suit? What? Where is my super suit? I put it away. Where? Why do you need to know? I need it. <laughs> and Jack loves that. Huh? Jack loves it. That was Sam and Nathan, actually, my eight-year-old. Oh, he loves it. He sits and is just laughing like, oh, you guys, I know the scene. I love the scene. Yeah. Well, it's so cool yeah. to draw your other children into Jack's world yeah. like that. Yeah. I mean, emotionally, how do they manage it? I mean, do they talk with you and Sarah about it? Or? Sure, sure. And it can be hard. It can definitely be hard for them. We've had to to understand, like, sometimes so much of our energy goes into him and to making sure he's okay. And I, I think they don't like to rock the boat. So there's definitely some intentionality we have to have with them saying, we see you where you are. Um, but you know what? They've also been so amazing at recognizing, hey, this affects me too. And he's my brother. And I love him. And, yeah. and they have become some of his biggest advocates. And I'm convinced they're going to change the world. When you think of those character lessons that they're learning. Oh. It, it is inspiring it is. that they have that empathy, they're connecting, they're doing things for their brother. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, this may be tough, but I want to end with a poem, at least a stanza of a poem that you wrote about your situation uh, with your son, Jack. Can I ask you to read that stanza? Yeah. Yeah, this is from a poem called A Reflection of Aching Joy. You are not a disorder, my son. Not a blue puzzle piece on a clinical spectrum, but neither are you normal. You're a piece of God's own daydreams, a reflection of aching joy. No, you're not normal. You are beloved. That's powerful. And that can apply. Now I got the tears, but that can apply to any situation, right? It's not just for those autistic kids that are struggling. No, it's for all of us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Jason, that is powerful. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you both. It's really good. Listen, if you're teary-eyed as well, I mean, you probably should get a copy of Jason's book, Aching Joy. Because again, even if you don't have an autistic child, you're going to have some issue in your life where you feel like God is not showing up. Mm -hmm. And that's an ache in your heart. And uh, this will really help you in your journey. Yeah, and I hope you've been encouraged to be honest with God. He can take it. He wants to hear your heart. And uh, here at Focus, we have counseling services available for you and a lot of other resources to help you wherever you're at. And as Jim mentioned, we, of course, do have Jason's book, Aching Joy, Following God Through the Land of Unanswered Prayer. Uh, Whatever you need, give us a call. Our number is 800, the letter A in the word family, or stop by focusonthefamily.ca. And uh, let me just say to those of you who donate and pray for this ministry, you're making broadcasts like this one possible. 
And uh, we recently heard a great uh, comment from a man who said, Focus on the Family's radio program is the reason I am saved today. I used to listen while I drove a truck for 67 hours a week. I couldn't go to church or anything. It was your programs that led me to Christ. And in the past 12 months, I think it was 305,000 people have dedicated or rededicated their lives to Christ. And that's why we do this. And I hope you'd be willing to consider supporting the work of Focus on the Family through your prayers and a donation if you can. And certainly even just ordering Jason's book directly from us here at Focus Canada makes a big difference. So please consider how you can help and get Jason's book when you call 800, the letter A, and the word family. Well, be sure to join us next time to hear about the power of praying specific scriptures for your child. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we once more help you and your family thrive in Christ.